Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. I want to welcome you to our double podcast tonight. Once again, my co-host, Greg Dutcher. Greg, say hello. Hello. And we have Les from the Reformed Pubcast on here joining us. Les, say hi to everyone out there. Hello, everyone out there. Um, Les, go ahead and give us a little bit about yourself, a uh, little information, um, friends, family, uh, you, what you do and who you like to hang with and what you like to do, all that crazy stuff. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm a pretty pretty normal uh, Christian guy. Uh, I have, I'm married to my beautiful wife. I have uh, three kids. I am a graphic designer. Uh, that's my job. I've uh, worked in like the the film industry and stuff like that. So I've been sort of in the uh, art world for a long time. Oh, neat. Um, and I'm uh, I'm reformed, so uh, that's pretty awesome. And, <laughs> and yes, so it is. <laughs> so that's great. And uh, yeah, I'm a you know regular churchgoer and love my church, love my family, love uh, you know love the Lord. Very That's cool. Pretty much, pretty much it. Nice. Um, now, so you're a graphic designer. Um, now, you said you worked with movies. Uh, yeah, I um, I've worked on like Transformers three, which Tanner gives me a lot of guff over. Uh, <laughs> I've worked on the Smurfs, which might be even more embarrassing. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I worked on a, a movie called Epic, and that that's easily my the favorite thing that I've ever. That that I've ever done uh, professionally was that that cartoon um, or, or computer animated, uh, yeah. Film? Okay, yeah, nice. it's a CG film. Um, I was unemployed, and uh, Blue Sky, the studio that that makes uh, the Ice Age movies and yeah. you know all that stuff. They, uh, I had some friends who I used to work with uh, that were working there, and they, you know, they put my name in, so they they brought me in, and I did some work on on that movie. But while I was there. My uh, my third child, my daughter Leah, was born while I was gone. Uh, I was in Connecticut, and my family was still here in Florida. Um, so I got to watch the birth over Skype, which was actually <laughs> wow. It's actually like this amazing. Mem- I mean, you know, I, obviously I would have preferred to be here, but right. that memory uh, is just incredible to me. Um, so everybody like crowded around and like was helping my wife, uh, you know, with the baby. She she had a home birth. So she had a lot of people helping her, and it, like once it was all over, I was like, "Well, I like I can't do anything now, so I'm I'm gonna go to the gym. I'll see you guys later." <laughs> um, but but anyways, because that happened while I was working on the film, uh, my daughter Leah's name is now in the credits of the movie. Uh, so all the babies that are born during the production of a film, they usually drop their names into the credits as a, wow. in this, in this case, it's an, she's an epic baby. Uh, Leah, <laughs> Literally. Leah Lanfear. Yep. That is cool. That is, that very is cool. really cool. Now, now Les, I, I just got to jump in here and, and do the, uh, yeah, I'm trying to make it sound subtle, sophisticated, but I'm just going to put it there. I'm just curious if you know famous people. So I'll just start dropping <laughs> names. But I, I don't know how much in, in your side of things. So did you ever meet any of the actors, voiceover guys, or or are you sort of doing the post-production stuff? Yeah, it's, it's all post-production okay. stuff. Okay. Um, uh, compositing, um, things like that. Uh, I, like they, they bring famous people in for screenings and stuff sometimes, like Dan Marino and... Uh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the director of Transformers. 
My uh, Michael is, Bay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michael Bay was in town for uh, one of the the things. So, and and I think Beyonce was in the studio one day uh, at Blue Sky. <laughs> that, uh, but no, that is that is really cool. I actually heard you talking uh, in your podcast. That, oh, I say today, but whenever it, it it just came out, you and Tanner, your co-host on uh, on the podcast, were talking about the new Star Wars movie. So I know we hadn't yeah. planned to talk about that, but I just want to say, Les, I'm with you. I think this is your point. I have complete confidence, not saving faith, but strong confidence in J.J. <laughs> Abrams' yeah. ability. Yeah. Because I am with you. I just love almost everything he, he does. And there's a movie I saw recently called Cloverfield. Did either of you guys ever see oh, that? Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. Didn't, that I didn't see that was one. so good. And I had never yeah. heard of it. But a friend of mine texted me and said, Dutcher, have you seen Cloverfield? I, said, no, I, don't, I don't even know what it is. I think it was... Less wasn't it like five six years ago maybe? Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was like the original viral ad campaign. Yes, uh, they were, the whole thing was this very mis- like what is Cloverfield and like nobody knew what it was and um and so I think that kind of affected like if you watch it now as a standalone movie it's it's pretty good but I think it sort of was negatively affected by all the mystery that was around it and then yeah. people saw it and they yeah. were kind of like what I. This isn't what I expected it to be. Right. But, but right. it was really good. Yeah, I thought they did such a great job with the sort of real-life camera angles and that and how you yeah. you don't really see the creature clearly yeah. most of the movie. Yep. And you, even at the very end when you see him, I feel like you don't see him see him uh, or it, yeah. whatever it was. But it was just good. And somebody told me – I'm going to geek out here just less with you a little bit since we do this no from time to time. The um, Did you see uh, Super 8? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Super 8. Somebody told me there's a potential connection between those films. Have you ever heard that? Um, a connection between maybe. Yeah, they're both like sort of monster. Yeah, monster that movies. that even like th- there was a theory I read online after I saw Cloverfield that Super 8 is a sort of an unspoken, uh, same universe uh, connected mm. story. But huh. uh, I, I thought you might know about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out a little bit. Um, because yeah. I like to do that kind of stuff, but yeah, Nathan's a yeah. big, or, or we'll just, you know, continue making stuff up like we do on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> that's only when we get to the theology and doctrine. That, that's stuff. true. Did, that's I, true. Okay. did, I, did yeah. I say that? Sh- should I not say that? Yeah. Is that I, wrong? I thought we just thought it, but, um, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, uh, I feel that the, in, in the hands of JJ Abrams, uh, I feel very confident about the new Star Wars films. And I think like one of you guys referenced, I mean, look, I hate to say it, but I, in my opinion, I'm with you. The prequels helped because they can't be worse than the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's true, yeah. You cannot, like even if the movie's not not good, everybody will, you have to say at least they weren't as bad as the prequels. Uh, I was, agreed. like every time, every time I watch those prequels, uh, the thing that kills me the most is the amount of expository dialogue that happens like long, extended, like 15, 20 minute scenes of just CG backgrounds yeah, yeah. with people walking and talking about like politics. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, <laughs> nobody cares. I know. I know. It is the most is, boring thing. It, it is so true. Did, did you ever see last the Simpsons spoof on George Lucas? Um, no. It, it, it's, it's worth it. You could just Google it sometime, <laughs> but they. Their theory, which is is that Lucas made the right films at the right time. Uh, it was this perfect narrow window because I think you guys references to the dialogue is is never been the, <laughs> the shining point <laughs> of Star Wars movies yeah. in general. But um, it, it does seem like he he sort of got lucky with those three films. I mean, I'm, I I loved him. I saw him at yeah. age seven. 
10 and 13. Mm. Uh, and I remember them all when they came out in those ages. They were golden yeah. to me. But, um, yeah, those prequels just did not work uh, no. well. I mean, I thought the third was the best of the three. Uh, which one was that, Nathan? The uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. But, yeah, yeah I mean, to say yeah. one is the best of those isn't necessarily yeah. saying all that much. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the third, the third one's good. The third yeah. one's fun. Yeah. At least you get to see Darth Vader. It's the, the no. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked uh, the reveal of Darth Vader. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I think the thing with the third one is that's a movie that if you took the Star Wars label off it, I mean, honestly, yeah, I'd go see that movie. Right. You know, yeah. If if you took that label off the other two, if you took the label off, a good point. They they would just they they would have died a horrible miserable death. Yeah, they would have ago. been Howard the Duck. Yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, they would have been. <laughs> uh, that's how I felt yeah. when I I remember watching Phantom Menace. Yeah. In '99, being angry. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the movie, I thought, yeah. what? Well, yeah. And, and what's funny is everybody blames Jar Jar Binks, and Joy and I were just talking about this. I think Jar Jar Binks was annoying, but to me, the most annoying thing was that little kid who played Anakin, Anakin who just could not act, yeah, the, who could not act at all. I mean, he was yeah. supposed to be this nine-year-old, like, great Jedi, or, you know, on his way to being a great Jedi, and he was just this kid who had no clue. Yeah, and the yeah. big the big space car race just didn't yeah. do it for me as the big <laughs> climactic moment in that film, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Sorry, Les. Didn't expect to go off of that, but man, thank you for hanging with us on that. Oh, um, absolutely. If yeah. you guys want to talk about midi chlorians a little bit, <laughs> yeah. oh. I'm down with that. I think that's more Nathan's field, yeah, right? right? When we get into, <laughs> yeah. into that. Although I, I could a little bit as well. Um, I know one of the things we wanted to ask you last tonight was the, I mean, uh, can you give us a little sort of history of the pubcast and how that came about, how you guys had this idea and how it began and what it's become. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Tanner and I, uh, so I, I used to, uh, be sort of a, a young adults leader at a Calvary chapel and, uh, Tanner and his wife, I think they were, yeah, they were engaged at the time. Uh, they started coming to this, this young adults thing and that's, that's where we met. Um, and I was a Calvary chapel fanboy. Uh, and at some point Calvinism became a big deal, uh, because there was this big exodus of young Calvinists that left Calvary Chapel, uh, this particular Calvary Chapel. Interesting. Um, yeah. So when that happened, the leadership was sort of alerted to the whole situation and it became our mission to stomp out Calvinism. So, uh, I started studying, um, you know, all the the anti-Calvinist arguments and all this stuff. And, uh, and then I would actually teach in these young adults meetings. Uh, so I would stand up and I would teach against these things. And then people like Tanner would approach me afterwards and start debating with me. Um, and that those conversations, uh, would continue to chip away at, uh, my inconsistencies and my, my faulty interpretations of things. Um, and then one of, one of the the guys there sent me this Paul Washer video, and um, mm-hmm. it just destroyed all the Arminianism out of me. Wow! Uh, in wow! One, in one sitting, uh, and I was it was I mean it was like a supernatural like like I was I remember stuttering for like a couple days. My wife was I was like visibly disturbed. Like yeah. every just my entire theology was was ravaged, and my wife kept she was like what's what's wrong? And I'm like I I think I'm. 
I think I'm a Calvinist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she knew what that word meant, and she knew that that word was bad. So she wow. was like, oh, no. Um, so that's how – so through Tanner, uh, conversations with him, uh, I became Reformed. And then we sort of grew in our theology together. We you know, listened to Driscoll and uh, Chandler and you know, all that resurgence, uh, Reformed goodness that was, that was happening at that time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we, so I was helping him with doctrines and then he was helping me with doctrines and we would just study together. And at that same time we were becoming good friends. And then he started introducing me to good beer, uh, because yes. I didn't know. So, uh, he gave me, yeah, he gave me a reformed theology and he gave me good beer. Right. <laughs> yeah. so they're both, they're both Tanner's fault. Um, so yeah, flash forward uh, a few years, we went through some stuff together. We we were in the same church, and then there was a lot of drama in that church, and we, I don't know, we started listening to a lot of podcasts, and for some reason, the TV show Breaking Bad made a big difference, because wow. we, me- we started meeting together every Sunday night to watch the new episode of Breaking Bad, and uh, we would eat a lot of breakfast food and watch <laughs> watch Breaking Bad. Nice. And then we started listening to all the behind-the-scenes podcasts about Breaking Bad. Yeah. And then we started branching out into other podcasts that were sort of not. And then we just became these podcast junkies, and we were listening to the same podcasts. So at some point, we were like, we we should start a podcast. That'd be fun. Um, and we we just tried it. We so we set up some some uh, Tanner. Tanner has been in music. He's you know done a lot of music stuff so he had like a mixer and a computer we could use and some some uh microphones so he was really concerned with quality from the very beginning we wanted wow. to, yeah, to sound pretty pretty decent um so we just set up microphones in my kids playroom and we recorded an episode and we were going to call it we were going to call it a completely different name and the day before we recorded i I uh, announced the name in this Facebook group that had the same name. I was I was basically going to say, you know, this is going to be the podcast for this group, and they got offended, and they told me that they didn't they did not want to use they did not want us using that name. So I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks for telling me. And then somebody else said, why don't you call it the Reformed Pubcast? And I was like, all right, I guess so. Yeah. And that's what we called it. And I guess it's sort of. I mean, I, I, I love it now, uh, but yeah, it wasn't even our idea, and it was just a really off-the-cuff, like, throwaway thing, and it works. Wow. It wow. just kind of works. Yeah, well, you, you guys, as I, you know, we've told, it, it, it's a great podcast. Love your opening music. It's, uh, it's one that <laughs> wakes you up. You yeah. know? You, you, it, it, it sort of gets you going. Yeah, it's Tanner's. Uh, Tanner's choice. Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, it, it's very good. And you guys, uh, just for uh, anybody listening into ours that hasn't heard it, obviously it's we, we you know we're going to link all that and, and trust yeah. that uh, some of our few listeners that maybe haven't heard it will go over and benefit from it, yeah. uh, learn some good things about beer, about doctrine, and um, you know those are things that we talk about a lot here as well. Yep. And when did you start it, Les? Um, let's see, it was. It was either August or September of 2013. Okay. All right. So wow. we've been doing it for, yeah, more than, it was, it, yeah, it was, no, wait, I'm sorry, it was October. Okay. All right, like, right. I, I think our third episode was Halloween. Okay, cool, cool. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 2013. Well, you know, uh, I am a huge Breaking Bad fan, and we, we talk about it a lot here. Nathan's watched some of it. Yep. His, uh, his sanctification is yet to be fully complete. That's right. <laughs> sure. Uh, because sure. He's, he's getting there, so I won't give it away. But I've listened to those same podcasts. Our friend uh, Josh Mitchell, hey, Josh, if you're listening out there, he helped us. He's a, he's a wonder tech guru, young guy set everything up and he's turned me on to these uh these podcasts too with uh with Vince Gilligan uh yeah. and those are the ones I mean I, those are the most fascinating podcasts it is it's to, awesome I mean to watch the show is great and then do so what I've done is I'll watch it now and then go back and listen it seems like they didn't start doing them to what maybe the second season uh I don't think there are podcasts are there less for the first one or two episodes or first season yeah, yeah, it was at least at least the first season, maybe the second season also. Yes, uh, yeah. It, but I know there's at least the third, fourth, and fifth seasons of Breaking Bad, and now they've rebooted it for Better Call Saul. Yes, which I've listened to all those two, which are great too. I mean, yeah. th- to hear those Fantastic. guys talk. What I love is the detail that goes into what color Walter's shirt is in yeah. the scene. And why that's important. Yep. <laughs> and at first you're like, come on. And then you're riveted by the thing, you know, yeah. because there's, I mean, Vince Gilligan to me is just a genius beyond compare and, and, and the things that he has uh, done. And yeah, that show is, is great. And uh, we, we reference it a good deal here. And, yeah. Uh, you guys did a whole separate episode on it, didn't you? On Breaking Bad? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, we've done, our first episode, we actually reviewed the finale of Breaking Bad. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and then and then we talked about um, uh, Arrested Development a lot. Also. Oh yeah, yeah. We weren't mm-hmm. we we had no idea what we were doing, uh, like what what we were going to focus on from the beginning, and I, I'm not sure we still do. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, it, I don't know. It's it's kind of eclectic, but I I, I think that sort of that sort of is allowed just by the title. Like the the idea is you're having a beer with your buddy and talking about theology, yeah. but it's it's like a pub discussion. You're just you're just friends chatting. So exactly. so theology is yeah. going to definitely be a big focus, but it's not going to be every conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We can we can roll with that. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Les, let me ask you. Uh, this time of the year. You know, speaking of beer, what do you typically enjoy drinking? Um, because you know you you look at the scene, and normally, even guys who are in a craft beer will. Um, degrade themselves into drinking things that um are unholy um and unclean lawnmower beer (laughs) um and so uh you know there are several things that that i'll go to and that i enjoy drinking that i feel like you know you can drink and you can enjoy it um what about you What, what what are some things that you'll typically go to this time of the year um are you one of those guys that enjoys drinking you know like the the heavier stuff all year round um yeah i'm not I mean, I, I even live in Florida, so I'm, it's, it's pretty much always hot. So yeah, if I'm yeah. gonna, you know, uh, but I love my, my, I'm really into stouts right now. It's my favorite style. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I guess I include porters into that, uh, sure. but man, like craft porters and stouts are just, they're just banging right now. There's so much good stuff coming out all the time. Um, I went through a big, you know, everybody in the craft beer world went through a huge IPA phase, and that's, that's, <laughs> yes. that's all yes. anybody would drink. Yeah. Yes, that uh, is the cage stage of uh, craft yeah. beer you yeah. know, conversion, I think. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, and I, I still love, I absolutely love IPAs. It just, it just got a little crazy there at the end. Everybody's like, all right, all right. So this is a style that we can work with, but let's stop being so obsessed with it. Um, hopefully that's, that's happening. Um, but one of the beers that Tanner and I both got really obsessed with, uh, I guess it I guess a year ago, uh, was Motorboat by Sweetwater. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have Sweetwater? They just there? actually came into Maryland last month. That's awesome. So yeah. uh, it's a it's a summer beer. It's called it's called Motorboat. It's a it's it's an IP. It's well, it's a pale ale, yeah. uh, but it's it's fantastic. Uh, it is it's great for summer drinking. Um, and my favorite thing, and this is sort of a little, it's inappropriate. I'm not going to say what the inappropriate things are, <laughs> but uh, Sweetwater does this hilarious thing where they write um, motor like references all over the package, like um, double entendres referencing the term motorboat. Okay. All over the uh, all over the six pack. Uh, but yeah, so if 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 you see a six pack of motorboat by Sweetwater, definitely pick that up. Um, I I haven't had it in a year, and I. I I'm so excited to to get to pick it up again. Wow, nice. wow, yeah. I'm I'm making notes here to Nathan since he is my connection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 get this, Nathan. Find out how to um, how to get that. So let me ask you, um, Stout Porter. What's your what's your go to right now that you're uh, that you're really enjoying? You know, if I was like, hey, uh, Les, what what can I get you um, in that category? What would you what would you go for? Well, we talk we talk about founders. All the time, Founders is probably it's it is like the brewery that can't can't can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Founders has a Founders Porter. Um, it's perfect. It is like the nice. perfect porter. Nice. Uh, it's fantastic. And then they have they have a number of stouts that are awesome. Um, but Breakfast Stout is one that stands out. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's just so good. Um. Uh, and then uh, Tanner doesn't like left hand because th- apparently they claimed the word nitro for themselves and they think they can sue people for using the word nitro. <laughs> <laughs> seriously? But, I mean, that's... Yeah. They're, wow. They're ni- yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, but they make some fantastic nitro stouts. Yeah. So pretty much any nitro stout from left hand is fantastic. Uh, and But I wouldn't go for... I've had some of their nitro stuff that isn't stouts, and I don't mm. think nitro works too well with other styles of beer. But yeah. if you if you buy a nitro, uh, if you buy any uh, bottle of beer that uh, it's not carbonated, it's actually nitrogen gas in the bottle, yep. um, don't pour it like a, like a normal beer because you get this whole cool experience with a nitro. So what you do is you, you open the bottle, you get your, your glass... And then you just tip the bottle completely upside down immediately, and you, it just pours into the glass, and it looks flat at first, and then all the nitrogen gas starts to sort of collect, and then it comes up to the top, and it forms a head. And if you don't pour it that way, you won't get a good head. Wow! But it's also just—it's also just a really cool experience because you can never pour a beer like that normally. You have to like you know slowly pour it down the side, or else it'll right. you know overflow. Uh, but just only do it with nitrogen because every once in a while I forget. I, I get like a left hand stout that's not nitro and I pour it too fast. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, definitely that, that's an experience that's that's always enjoyable. Nice. Well, nice. and I'm going to go out on a limb here, unless you would say uh, it may be better than a Coors Light. <laughs> is that is that a fair assessment? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Good because yeah. Yeah, we always say we always say we're not beer snobs, but. Um, 
I, f- I forgot the word Tanner uses, but it might as well be beer snob. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but we, but I mean, if, if I'm ever at like a family function or, you know, a barbecue with, with friends and, you know, they brought Bud, Bud Light, like I'm not going to turn it down. Right. You know, right. it's, I, I, I'm not like too good for it. It's just not, not the thing I would prefer to drink. Sure. See, yeah. you're a better man than I, because I would turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind too, that's where Nathan works. Yeah. He knows, you're right, right, he right, knows right. at he his fingertips. <laughs> yeah. All he's got to do is, is get to work and he can, he can take care of his need. Well, it's, that's it's, right. it's funny because, uh, Joy and I last year, uh, we celebrated 10 years last year. We went up to New York and we stayed with her cousins. They live uh, in Brooklyn. And so her cousin was offering me a beer. And I, I always hesitate when people offer me beer yeah. and I don't know them. And I, I looked <laughs> at her and I, I like I literally I took a deep breath and I was like, yeah, I'll take one. <laughs> and so she opened up and like she had she had something good in there. It was uh, I think it was victory or trogues something. Um, nice. And yeah. I was just like, oh. Oh bless you! You drink good beer, <laughs> and, and you know her. Uh, her and her husband travel around the world, so that's that's what they know is good beer. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I always I, I do I always hesitate when somebody who I don't know what they drink offers me a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, you know what's worse is when people. Well, sort of like that with with coffee. You know, I'm such a coffee. Oh guy. yeah. People think, oh, Greg loves coffee, so it, it, they always mean it well. So they'll go out and they'll buy like some raspberry vanilla oh, yeah. flavored coffee and i it's the most awful <laughs> beverage to drink i'm like i want strong yeah. bold coffee starbucks preferably and uh but people that think you're into coffee get right. you all the foo-foo stuff that tastes terrible um so yeah i don't know if you can do that with beer but yeah a lot of people just assume coors light yeah uh, miller light natural <laughs> light yeah i think that was on um uh, again again since it's just fresh in my mind i heard uh it was you or Tanner said it. <laughs> no, it was one of your questions, I think, on your uh, on your podcast last the uh, voicemail where the yeah. guy said he saw the dude on the on the plane drinking a Miller Lite at seven thirty yeah. in the morning <laughs> and wanted to know is that a sin to drink that early? And <laughs> you or Tanner said, "Well, I think the sin is drinking Miller Lite." Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think the timing is not the issue there. You know, yeah. morning, noon, or night is not the issue. That's um, right. Well, you yeah, know, bre- breakfast beers are good, just not, just not Miller Lite. Just That's not right. that one, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out Friday. Nathan will get some some yeah, good ones for absolutely. us. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, you know, we've been talking a lot uh, about this subject. Nathan and I have offline with some people listening in and asking us questions. Um, just what are your thoughts, Les? It does seem that sort of the the what you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but the YRR, the Young Restless Reformed Movement. And uh, social drinking go together, uh, you know, generally speaking. Yeah. It seems that it's in the Reformed community. You find uh, you don't have the, um, uh, you know, the, the issues stigma of abstinence and, and stigma. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and yeah, I'm trying to avoid saying the L word, but legalism, I said it. <laughs> uh, you, you don't find that as much in those circles. You do tend to find it in the non-Reformed. Just, just your thoughts on that. Why... Does reform theology and <laughs> beer? Why do they seem to go together so well? Yeah, well, I think I, uh, this is what I like to think, and it might be it might be pompous of me uh, ultimately. But um, so when we look at so like Paul, um, when he operated uh, with others in Scripture, especially when it came to legalists, um, 
he would say very, very strong things um, in the face of legalists. Uh, when, when at the same time he would say things about weaker brothers, and he would he would you know warn us to be careful with weaker brothers, don't offend weaker brothers. But then when it came to legalists, he took an entirely different position, mm-hmm. and he would actually he would basically push it, shove it in their face. Mm-hmm. And so with with weaker brothers, we see like Paul um, circumcising an individual if that would cause that you know those people to stumble if that man wasn't circumcised, um, you know. This would bother you, so no problem. Circumcision is nothing, so right. I will do it, no problem. But then on the other hand, if somebody says, you must circumcise or else, Paul says, absolutely not, and I right. hope that you slip with your knife. and Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, go, um, go the whole way, Galatians, yeah. Absolutely. So so that's, and I, and I think that that mentality sort of uh, it really hits home with, with Reformation in general. Um, so we see like Luther, when Luther went up against, uh, I mean, just blatant heretical legalism, when he was going up against the Roman Catholic Church, he would say extremely strong things against uh, against the papacy and against the, the the Roman Catholic Church, and he was basically rubbing their legalism in their face. He was not being gentle with them. He was being very strong with them. Um, so I think there's something about this idea, like. Especially young, restless, reformed, we sort of we had really bad theology, mm-hmm. uh, most of us. So we we were sort of in this fluffy evangelical nonsense of America for a long time, and then out of nowhere, this light shone, and we just got super excited about this historic, beautiful theology that um, that just freed us from all of all of that um, bondage. That went along with sub-biblical religion. Um, so I think when that happens, there's there's this like like you want to celebrate the things that you're now allowed to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and when it comes, so so you know we we do want to caution people. Um, you know, don't there 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 is still there's the sensitivity that you need to be careful of. Um, people like sometimes just aren't sure what to think about alcohol and, you know, you don't just like, like throw it in their face. You're, you know, be careful. Sure. But at the same time, that's not, you know, people want to bring up those verses about, um, weaker brothers and they always want to like, basically the American church thinks that the weaker brother is the alcoholic. Right. Like, agreed. Agreed. Like it's, it's, it's an equal thing. That's, that's it, like whatever Paul was talking about, that's all gone now. And now in our culture, it just means an alcoholic. And right. I think that, that exegetically is nonsense that's not that's not at all what paul was talking about but there is a sense you know if you walked up to an alcoholic or an ex-alcoholic and just started chugging a beer in front of him you're not breaking like a specific scriptural command you're just being a jerk right yeah like in the world the world knows that too yes nobody's that's you don't need you know so what you're doing you are break you are sinning you're sinning by not loving your neighbor because we're all wise enough to know that you don't just go around tempting ex-alcoholics like you know yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. um but there's also a, on so on the flip side of being sensitive to people there's also this idea that when people tell us that you're not allowed to enjoy alcohol or something like that we we sort of feel this zeal to to lash back and say no absolutely i can 
and I'll make a podcast about it if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, great, great answer, uh, Les. We, yeah, we've been having similar conversations, and it it does. I, I think what you said about you, you're sort of eager to celebrate the things that you can. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I in my younger days, and I'm I can tell motor. How how old are you, Les? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 31. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm 44. So <laughs> I um, you know, my my exposure to all things uh, reformed back in the early 90s of course was pre-internet, pre-podcast, pre-sermon videos and and all that and it was uh, I was listening to uh, John MacArthur uh, who on tape. On tape. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. on radio at first, then I got his tapes. And uh, what first drew me was I thought, well, here's the first guy I ever heard preach expositionally. And we've talked about yeah. that on some other podcasts. Our uh, friend Jeff Kratz is, yep. a, uh, is a regular on the show. He calls in from Anchorage and uh, went to Masters, and he's, he's a really good dude. Um, and, you know, I mean, MacArthur's a fundamentalist, there's no doubt about it, <laughs> who happens to be a Calvinist. But he was the first one I ever heard address the subject of divine election. And I thought, what? What is this? You know, this was shocking. Yeah. That 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 put me on the sprawl. So all I had back then in the early '90s, less was <laughs> Sproul and MacArthur. <laughs> you know, so um, getting mixed messages from those camps. Sproul, I don't remember writing anything that specifically dealt uh, dealt with alcohol. But for me, my reformed awakening kind of came in two phases because um, it was uh, John MacArthur that sort of opened my eyes to you know, the sovereignty of God and salvation. But I would read his stuff, and I, I say this with all respect, his commentary on Ephesians is a good commentary on most matters until you get to 518, where he exposits, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And he literally, to, to my, and I would say this to anybody, spends 25 pages, or that's what it seems like, on uh, uh, premise number one, uh, drinking alcohol is a liberty issue. I thought, wow, okay. And then premise number two in 19 parts are 19 reasons why you probably shouldn't drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I look back on that, and, and what I got out of that section was that the Bible is confused about its own message on alcohol. Because yeah. on the one sense, it's a liberty, but let me give you all these biblical reasons why you should never exercise it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. One of my PCA buddies says, yeah, it's like a guy that hands you a new Lamborghini, puts the keys in your hands and say, by the way, don't ever actually drive it, um, yeah, you know, was, exactly. was sort of the image I got. So for me, I went through all of, uh, much like you, Les, my sort of disturbing revelations. Wow, what if, what if this is true? God is sovereign and he chose me, which those things became sweet to me later is, you know, I, I think they do to us as we grow uh, in, in grace and faith. But yeah. I... Um, I sort of had another awakening when I met a bunch of PCA guys, uh, many of whom were going to my same school, uh, seminary eventually, and uh, <clears throat> you know, we're going out after class sometimes to a tavern in Hatfield, Pennsylvania, and uh, throwing a few back, and they could tell I was very reluctant to do it. Yeah. And uh, so that was several years later. So it, it is interesting how these things come in waves and phases. Um, and I just think that what you guys have done on the podcast, I love your feel, and I love the way, Les, you call everybody that's sort of part of your followership members of the pub. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is a great metaphor. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a pub discussion, and you do feel like you're sitting down with guys drinking a cold one, talking about 
end times or yeah. justification by faith, and it's uh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, uh, Les, I have a question for you because Greg brought up um, passage in Ephesians. You know, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, so, I just where would you kind of look at that um, and and say, you know, yeah, th- this is. You know, this is where the person's drunk. This was the limit. Um, do you feel like you can do that? Let me let me just kind of throw a background <clears throat> out there for you because there have been times where I have indulged um, in alcoholic beverages. Um, you know, probably more than I should have. Um, and for me, there was there was always the point of well, if if there's ever a time where I am not in control. To me, that's the line. And, and, and that could, you know, be in, in different phases. So there was a point where um, just actually unintentionally uh, this one time I drank too much. Um, I realized it as I was drinking and was just like, OK, I need to stop because I'm actually driving home. Um, you know, took a took a couple hours to clear my head before I left. Um, once I, you know, once I felt like, okay, I can, I can drive home now. I, you know, I can walk the straight line and all that crazy stuff and, and maintain control and speed. I, you know, I ended up going home. Um, so I stopped myself, um, was still in control. There was another time where I knew I wasn't driving home. I knew I had a friend who was going to be driving me home. And so I just, I went, uh, it was a bunch of guys getting together. And so I just went intending to just drink and have a good time. I wasn't really going to, monitor myself. But I had planned out before I was going to this event that I was going to put those protections and cautions in place so that I was not going to do anything um, inappropriate or bad. You know, again, it was hanging out with a bunch of Christian buddies. We were just getting together, having, you know, having several beers. I knew that this other friend was going to drive me home. Um, You know, I could still walk up to my apartment. I could still go in. I remember everything that happened that night. Um, and so, you know, there were people that, you know, would look at me, I feel like, and be like, oh, that was a sin. You were wrong in doing that. Where that passage, I almost tend to look at and think, um, is it really talking about a specific instance or is it talking about a lifestyle? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. So I think that definitely in modern um, evangelical Christianity, we, we don't view alcohol, uh, at all in the same way, uh, that the Bible does and the, the culture of the Bible did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we think about alcohol, especially because of things like prohibition and we've just had a lot of stigma in this country, uh, and you know, even like Europeans look at us and they're like, what, well, like, what's the problem? Like, why are you guys so crazy about this? Yeah. Um, so we think like, dark bar trying to pick up chicks like that's alcohol right mm. uh and that's you know that's that's unfortunate because um there god institute god uh commanded the use of alcohol in old testament worship jesus used it you know as an institution in the the lord's supper mm-hmm. uh alcohol in both testaments is used in the worship of God. Mm-hmm. I wish MacArthur would, you know, <laughs> grasp that. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, and then, I mean, but the, the craziest example that for me in all of Scripture is the wedding at Cana. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is, is at this wedding. They, the wedding is days long. And uh, the, at this, this particular point in the, in the wedding, they've completely run out of wine. Uh, which means they've been drinking, drinking a lot of wine. 
So Jesus goes and he gets these uh, these basins filled with water and he changes them uh, into wine. And it's hundreds of gallons of wine right. um, that he's now delivering to these people who have already been drinking all the wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the host of the party says, uh, who does this? Who brings out the best wine at the end after the, all the bad wine has been drunk? And he, you know, that's the thing he revel- like that he's amazed at the fact that, you know, you'd bring out the, the better wine now. So now to these people who had drunk all the wine, uh, and he says that, they won't even be able to taste a difference at this point, basically. Right. So he's yeah. that's that's a statement about their you know their level of inebriation. Yeah. And he's and that now they bring out hundreds of gallons of more wine. So, um, I would say, in that situation, um, some of those people probably shouldn't be driving home if they had cars in that day. Yeah. Right. Um. So, what what does that say about what Jesus is doing? Is he encouraging drunkenness, um, or? It, or, or is there just a very big disconnect between um, what we think about alcohol and what you know Jesus thought about alcohol? Um, so it, it, I mean, it's it's very subjective. It's not uh, a clear, easy thing to decide. And we have different. We do live in a different culture, and we we can't just ignore that fact. Mm-hmm. So in our culture, there are ex-alcoholics, and people you know recognize that as this addiction that lasts for the rest of your life and i would say biblically that doesn't work but you know people are gonna really look down on you if you're not sensitive to that idea uh and we shouldn't we shouldn't do things like that um because let's make christ look great Mm -hmm. um and we have to like drive cars and stuff and that's a huge that's a serious responsibility um and it's very dangerous so so you know understand the situations you're in but but i yeah, so Paul is saying, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and I would agree with you that that being filled with the Holy Spirit is, that's the way you live. You live your life filled with the Spirit. You don't live your life drunk. Yeah. Um, so what's leading you? What's leading your mind? What's leading your, your, um, your motivations? Are you allowing, you know, are you are you in your word? Are you praying? Are you allowing God to guide your life? Or are you constantly turning to the bottle and just becoming drunk? Mm-hmm. And that is that's debauchery. But Jesus, you know, he 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 saw fit that people should celebrate and they should use alcohol. Um and in a right context, I think that um if if I sit down with my friend and we have nothing else to do that night, and we drink, you know, one too many, uh, and we talk about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we rejoice in the gospel, yeah. um, I'm not going to think the next day that I sinned. Yeah. If, I, yeah. if I have to run out, run, you know, run away and throw up in my toilet a few times throughout the night, then we're talking a different situation. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, what are your motivations? What are you doing? Why are you drinking? Are you drinking to pick up girls? Are you drinking to, to uh, you know, let your inhibitions back a little bit so you and your friend can talk more about the things of the Lord um, while, you know, feeling the, the blessed euphoric effects that come with alcohol? Yeah. yeah. You know, you have to ask those questions. Great, great phrase there, which you just used, Les, the blessed euphoric effects. Uh, we were talking just before uh, we went online tonight in, I think it's Psalm 104, 
interesting passage where it says that he's given wine to make men's hearts glad yeah. Yeah. or merry. And it's interesting. It's not, not their palates, yeah. which you know, some people say, well, the taste. You know, people like the taste. I, I have always argued, no, there's a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is an, a, a, and I will say it on the authority of, of texts like that, that there is a divinely designed beneficial impact on spirit. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, my wife and I, uh, on Sunday... I'm not a wine guy. I, I'd love to be. I always tell Nathan that because it looks so good in the glass and uh, it looks just so sophisticated and suave. I'm getting you into scotch and bourbon. Next will be yeah. wine. Yes, yes. Next will be wine. Scotch and bourbon have All both right. been, been very nice. But the uh, the idea of um, wine, you know, is neat. So we yeah. took uh, my wife's mother, uh, my dear um, uh, mother-in-law, Connie, who is a widow, we took her with us on Saturday to a big Mother's Day event at the Bordy Vineyard, which is a beautiful little vineyard, maybe one of Maryland's only halfway decent vineyards. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was a really neat environment. Um, just just beautiful place. Uh, there were wine tastings and that sort of thing. And uh, it was mainly a family event. Uh, I, I did not see anybody there, and I, I paid close close attention to this mm-hmm. that was falling over drunk maybe there were some and i didn't see it i didn't see anybody there vomiting over the side right. of the fence i saw <laughs> yeah. families together that were there for six seven hours enjoying a gorgeous spring day kids are playing around tossing a frisbee uh they've got live music there and i thought this it's there was a time in my life i would have thought that that was the <laughs> The very epicenter of evil in this world, and I, you know, my wife and I just laughed, and I said, "This is a neat event, and wine in its proper use had a beneficial yeah. effect." Uh, yeah. you saw people laughing, relaxing, having yeah. really good conversation. Yeah, and I think, as you said, less sort of the the European uh, feel. Yeah, yeah I, I heard John Stott say that once. Actually, he made an incidental reference in a sermon to alcohol. That uh, sort of made him a little puzzled. How in in the U.S. it does seem to be this big deal, like we're not comfortable in our own skin. Yeah, uh, which in the U.K. they seem to be. Uh, you know, there are churches there that you know some people drink, some people don't, but right. nobody thinks about it. Right. It's just and somebody's bringing a keg to the church picnic. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. It's it's you know it's it's all different. Where here it is, it is a much bigger deal. And a uh, very, very interesting take yeah. that, uh, that you have there. I have to ask, unless I've been curious, do you guys get any, for lack of a better word, hate mail or email um, from listeners or from critics that think that you're fusing God's word with this evil practice? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Um, there's actually a, a podcast host that like latched onto us for a little while. And he, he spent a couple episodes sort of, um, he was playing clips from the show and then he was, um, you know, criticizing us and, um, and, and you then were, you were like great free advertising. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, but it, I mean, it, it hurts to hear, um, especially, you know, it's, it's brothers in, yeah. in Christ and yeah. it's just like, man, like you're, you're painting us, you're painting us with this assumption of evil, like our motives must be evil. Um, and so, it, you know, it was, it was kind of rough to go through, but we never acknowledged, like, we didn't want to, like, feed the troll, you know, because it, it, it was clear that he just he just really didn't like us. And then, then he had this Facebook group that he would uh, really uh, just really go into it with people, like, like, tell them exactly what's wrong with us. And then he did another episode, um, and he, yeah, he just, he just continued to 
to uh, tear into us. Um, oh, and then he read a letter from um, somebody who was in prison who um, who was a Christian that used to struggle with drugs and alcohol, and then once they became Christian, they were freed from that, but then they started hanging out with Christians who also drank alcohol. So then he started drinking alcohol with those Christians, and then um, a series of events, and eventually he committed some heinous crime and ended up back in prison. Okay. So yeah. he sent this letter to this podcast host, um, and this podcast host, you know, very somberly read this letter, and it, and then and then he also had uh, somebody else had a story about um, some kid who was in in college that listened to our show actually, and uh, he had signed a um a a covenant with his college that said he wouldn't drink alcohol. And then he started listening to our show, apparently. And then he started drinking alcohol. And then he got he got kicked out of college. And the pastor of, you know, this church reported back and said that, you know, all these events happened, that it was all because of us. Um, and I mean, that's that's a very big accusation and something that we, we take seriously. Um, but, you know, we certainly don't encourage people to to disobey their covenants, you know? Right, yeah. Like, if you, if you make a promise with your college that you're not going to drink alcohol, then, then stand by your word. Oh, certainly, you know? That's, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, yeah we, get, we, get, um, we get pushback, and we're always sort of conscious of, um, you know, that we, we make it abundantly clear that alcohol can be a dangerous substance. There's, there's no question about that. But we also think that there's an, an unhealthy stigma around it that that should be dealt with as well. So yeah. let's look at the Bible. The Bible, um, of, of all the things the Bible talks about, um, may, maybe sex would be another one that fits into this category where sure. it's like it very clearly gives you don't go this far um, and don't go this far on the other end of the spectrum where you're saying it's just dangerous. Right. D don't, yeah. don't, don't indulge in it in a sinful way, but then don't say that it's not okay to be enjoyed. Yes. Uh, because it because it's a blessing from God. Yeah. 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 Well said. I do think that alcohol and sex, yeah, yeah there are a lot of uh, a lot of parallels there. And um, you know, one of the things I don't think we're gonna probably do it for time's sake, Les, but right. uh I we were gonna talk a little bit about presuppositional apologetics. Yeah. And I'm sure people are just dying listening now. <laughs> oh man, I woke up this morning thinking about that. But we uh <laughs> perhaps we'll have some other venue to yeah. uh to do so. But we um uh, you know, I, well, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you is on on your uh, on your podcast. Uh, I'm trying to keep its proper name and not right, say podcast because right. it's such a cool name. You, you've had some pretty big <laughs> guests, haven't you? You've had, I believe, Doug Wilson before. Yeah, uh, I, I think the biggest guest for us is James White. He might yeah, not be James the biggest White. guest. Yeah. He might not be the biggest guest in the world, but he's somebody that Tanner and I have respected. And loved for a long time. Our second episode was called the James White Drinking Game. Yes, yes, <laughs> nice. yes. I saw. <laughs> nice. And and the reason we called it that is because I was making it clear to people that we're going to say this guy's name a lot. So if you're going to play along at home, drink every time we say the name James White. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then uh, his daughter started really listening to the show a lot, and she convinced him to come on the show. Wow. So episode, I think it's episode 33, is James White, and we don't like. We don't um, uh, tell people the the guests we're gonna have. So yeah. one day 
in you know in our Facebook group, then the episode was just called James White. Everybody was like, "No way!" Yeah, and that you know everybody was so shocked that he would come on. Uh, so were we. We were like, "Why are you? <laughs> why are you here?" Wow. Uh, but yeah, since then we've had. Uh, we've had R.C. Sproul Jr. on a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've had Doug Wilson. Um, Jeff Durbin is a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was... Yeah, that was James White again, Turton fan. Um, we've had some some great bands. Um, uh, Dustin Kensrew, King's Kaleidoscope. These yeah. are sort of sort of uh, well-known bands in the Reformed, Reformed world. And uh, we want to do another series soon, and I'm trying to line up some really good some really good guests for that as well uh, along the same line, like really good, well-known reform teachers. Um, and right. so, yeah, we had, we had some, some guests on, we, uh, this is this podcast called bad Christian. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, we, we had one of their, one of their guys on our show, we went on their show and we sort of, we were representing like, like certainty of doctrine, not, maybe not certainty, but, but you know, that we can know these things and their whole pushback was, Basically, you know, how dare you say you can know these things? Right. Um, so that sort of, I think that whole interaction made us have to do a knee-jerk reaction and get really serious about doctrine for a little while. Yeah. Just to like, so all may, maybe if all these new listeners are trickling in from this interaction we're having with uh, people who maybe aren't uh, solid in the reform sense, um, let's really get heavy with, you know, this Tulip series and yeah. teach teach people uh, the, the tulip and uh, take advantage of the fact that they're listening. It's been yeah. great. It's been great. And I think, um, yeah. So did you, you, you gave it away. Turretin fan is white. James uh, White. Is, is no, no, he's not James White. Okay. They, okay. I thought you they, would say uh, that. that would be, that would be like a fight club scenario because <laughs> yeah. uh, Turretin fan, Turretin fan has been on the dividing line a few times and they've James White and him have talked. So if, if they were the same person, that would be. Wow. Yeah. But, I love that. Yeah. Okay. But for the record, I have no idea who Turretin fan okay, is. Okay. Okay. I thought you had said he was on a second time and then I thought you said Turretin fan. I thought, wait a minute. Oh, no, did, no, no. Did you no. just give us some big reveal there? Uh, <laughs> no. no, James White. I mean, uh, we talked about him with somebody recently, May be the greatest debater in yeah, reformed Christendom yeah. uh, out there. He will debate anybody and is just a brilliant guy. Roscoe, Nathan, yeah, one of yeah. our, our beloved elders and a spiritual mentor of mine. Interestingly enough, who was a uh, mid-60s African-American man, came to Christ uh, later in life, uh, became a passionately reformed guy and loved James White mm-hmm. uh, and would listen to his stuff constantly, the Alpha and Omega Ministries. and uh, that's That's great. And uh, I'm sure, Les, you feel now that you've talked to Nathan Bell and Greg Dutcher, that you've this arrived. Is, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm finally. I've been waiting for this. Day. I know it, this is sort of the New Jerusalem experience. <laughs> we're, we're 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 descending. It just came out of heaven, and it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna write in my journal today <laughs> yeah. that I have reached the top of the mountains. You have. It just took uh, uh, took took this long, but right. uh, no, that was that was great. Well, Les, we're uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're actually um, winding down on our time here, um, but sure. it's been such a blast. We've yeah. we've enjoyed having you on. This has been um, this has been one of the uh, one of the fun ones that we've done on here. Um, we awesome. you know try to 
try to do some serious theological topics and and this has been um i think this has been a good combination of both yes. you know some some great theology in here but it's just been so fun and relaxed having you on here as well so you know if if you're agreeable to it at some time in the future we we'd love to invite you back on again and uh talk about some of the other things that we had planned that we just didn't get to absolutely and i'm um, i'm sure uh tanner would be would be happy to come on as well yeah so, yeah, 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 yeah that would be great that would yeah. be great and he could tell us all these things about you and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of you guys have known each other long enough. I bet you're like the U.S. and the Soviets in the Cold War, right? It's the mutually assured destruction, which actually keeps things, you know, in check. Nathan and yeah. I have a similar, yeah, similar yeah, exactly. friendship. You know, we, although although we're not afraid to. I mean, I've divulged some very very embarrassing things for no reason whatsoever, other yeah. than entertainment value. <laughs> of course, that's what true friendship is. That's right. right. There. Yes, yeah. Yes. I think um, one of, one of the most embarrassing things I've ever said on the podcast, and it, it actually died down now. So so I shouldn't say this again, but I'll I'll say it just for just for sake of of my new friends. Um, I at one point did not own a a car or any vehicle whatsoever, but my wife owned a Kawasaki Ninja motorcycle. Wow. And oh, cool. so, and I did not know how to ride it. So for the better part of a year, I rode on the back of my wife's <laughs> motorcycle, my, my fiance at the time's motorcycle. Nice. Wow. <laughs> that that was, is uh, awesome. They didn't let me live that down for <laughs> a while. <laughs> now, we, we have to see if you got pictures of that, but something tells me you nobody got a picture of you on the back of that, did they, Les? No, no, they, oh. they did not. Oh, boy. No that proof. Would be golden. No, no proof. So it's it's his word against yours. That's and, right. And your wife, if she's an honest woman, is going to bury you on that one. So, uh, <laughs> yes, she she she'll be happy to yeah. bury me. <laughs> That's great. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Once again, Les, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so, Greg, Les, we just rocked the Casper. Consider it rocked. And in the spirit of the Reform Podcast, the last line should be cheers and amen. Cheers and amen. Amen. Nice. These go to eleven.